Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. I'm going to talk to you tonight about freedom from the root of condemnation. Then I'm going to pray for some people. I believe God's going to do some really deep work in people's hearts tonight. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. For some time now, I've been speaking about our righteousness in Christ. And one thing that we have talked about and I've referred to is going back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were clothed in the righteousness of God, they were naked, but they knew no shame. And there was no fear, guilt, condemnation, or shame in their lives. But the moment they fell into sin, representing all of mankind, we also fell from grace. All of mankind fell, because that's what the Bible says, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and all have fallen short of the grace and the righteousness of God. But that has been restored in Christ for the believer, for the born-again believer, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for, for he who knew no sin became a sin offering for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So now we have a restoration of the righteousness of God because there are two kinds of righteousness. There's either God's righteousness or self-righteousness. But one thing we need to understand is, and let's look at this verse here, Looking diligently, lest any man, this is the King James Version, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Fail, some other translations say fall back or fall short. Fail or, or fall from the grace of God. So it's interesting that as a believer, the Bible says that by faith you have access into this grace in which you stand. Because grace and truth came through Jesus Christ and through him, according to Romans 5, 17, by faith, again, we are able to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness through which we can rule and reign and have dominion on earth. So dominion is restored, which was what Adam initially lost because when God blessed him, he gave him dominion. And that dominion came as a result of the righteousness of God because he was clothed in the righteousness of God because he was a righteous man he he was able to have dominion because righteousness brings you into that place of boldness and dominion where you're able to rule and reign without any guilt or condemnation or fear but the moment they fell from grace or they failed from grace basically they fell into that place of condemnation. So looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now, I've often preached on this verse concerning con uh, you know, offense, and it def definitely does apply to offense, having a root of bitterness in your heart. But you've got to also understand that really... The deepest root of bitterness is condemnation. And you must understand why offenses actually come. 
Why is it that people get offended and cannot forgive? Because they have fallen short of grace. Because it takes grace to forgive. And if you cannot extend grace, you cannot receive grace. So the deepest root of bitterness really is condemnation because that's, that was the first root. You see, that was the first bitter root that was established in Adam and Eve's heart. And then what happened? Offenses begin to come. They were offended with God, right? What did Adam say? Well, it's the woman you gave me, right? So immediately, because of that condemnation, that guilt, that shame, that root of shame and guilt is the reason why people cannot forgive. Because if you are feeling condemned, you're going to condemn others. And that's basically what unforgiveness is. Judgment on others because you feel judged. But mercy triumphs over judgment. So if you want to be free, you have to come to the side of mercy and grace. But the reason people cannot forgive is because... First of all, they can't receive mercy and grace for themselves. That's why they cannot extend mercy and grace onto others. So those who receive the abundance of grace are able to actually forgive and have dominion over offenses and unforgiveness, which is biggest, the biggest thing that we have to really deal with. It's the biggest trap that the enemy sets for people. So condemnation is actually a bitter root. I call it a root of shame. And I'm very, very familiar with it growing up under the religion of Islam. Because everything was done out of shame. I mean, the engine, the fuel of the religion was shame and condemnation and guilt. That's why we have honor killings. If you go to Islamic countries, there's honor killings. Because if the family feels, they'll, you know, if, if, a, if a Muslim becomes a Christian, the family now have to go kill him or her to protect the honor of the family because they have brought shame on the family. Because everything functions based on shame. And then I come out of the religion of Islam and I came into the church world and I saw that same spirit of shame and condemnation working. People did not understand the righteousness in God. They did not understand what Christ had, or had purchased for them on the cross of Calvary Amen. Having been made a curse for us and delivering us from every curse, the curse of the law, which was basically also condemnation because the law always brought condemnation. And that's that ugly, stinking head of that religious devil that comes into the church world to bring people back into that place of bondage, condemnation, because condemnation is bondage. Because when you are feeling condemned, your faith will not work. And when you are failing of the grace of God, because what happens when you're failing from grace or falling from grace? What do you fall back to when you fall from grace? You fall back under the law. You fall back under the law, which is always about judgment. First of all, you condemn yourself, and now you're going to condemn others. If you cannot be free from condemnation, you will not be able to walk in perfect love and you will not be able to walk in the boldness and you will not be able to walk in grace and be a blessing to others. And that is Satan's trap. It's a trap that he sets for believers. Falling back or falling or failing from grace, basically falling into the law, which is what? Judgment and death. Go to Colossians chapter 2. 
Because we have to understand falling out of grace causes these bitter roots to, to develop in your life. And the first bitter root that formed in our nature, in Adam, was a root of shame and condemnation. Remember? Because they were ashamed. They hid from God because they were ashamed. When he came and said, why were you hiding from me? They said, we were naked and we were ashamed. We were fearful. Who told you that? It's the biggest lie Satan has propagated, and it's his biggest weapon he has used against us. And even Christians who are now born again, saved, seated with Christ in heavenly places, but they don't understand their righteousness in Christ. They don't understand their new identity, the new nature that they have in Christ, that they are new creatures, new creations, amen, that they're no longer under condemnation in Christ, but they're now the righteousness of God. And they can, because of that, they can walk with the boldness, a bold faith. Because the righteous are as bold as a lion. But the devil wants you to think that he is the lion. No, no. He goes around like a lion, roaring, trying to get you to believe that he is the lion. No. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's in you. And he's roaring through you. Have you found Colossians chapter 2? I haven't, so give me a second. I'll get there eventually, maybe in 10, 15 minutes, but we'll eventually get there. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him. See, not rooted in condemnation, not having the root of condemnation, but rooted and built up in him. So rooted in love. Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3 that we become rooted and grounded in love, which is perfect love that casts out all fear. Because condemnation always brings fear. Because condemnation is always going to keep you in a place of basically not knowing if God's going to come through for you. Condemnation is always going to keep you in a place where you're going to be unsure of yourself and unsure of God. But righteousness gives you the ability to come boldly to the throne of grace. To do what? To receive and obtain mercy and grace for your time of need. But if you cannot come boldly because of your righteousness, now you're failing from grace. Because you can't obtain and receive grace. If you can't obtain and receive grace, you won't be able to operate in bold, radical faith. The kind of faith that moves mountains and the kind of faith that overcomes the world. So you've got to understand that root has been removed in Christ. But because of religion, that spirit of religion, so many Christians are still under condemnation. They condemn themselves. They always feel that they're not good enough. They haven't done enough. They can't do enough. That God's not going to be able to do much for them. And they live in that place of defeat. But when you are rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith. As you have been taught. Abounding there with thanksgiving. Rooted and built up in Christ. Established in the faith. Being rooted and built up in grace. Being rooted and built up in the perfect love of God. Then you are going to be established in faith. Because that, that is the foundation. Righteousness is the foundation of us, the just, 
shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. If you don't understand your righteousness, you cannot live by faith. If you're feeling condemned, you won't be able to operate in faith. You won't be able to look the devil right in the eye and say, back off. You can't touch me. What do you think you're doing? You have no claim on me. See, because of your righteousness, the evil one has no claim on you. The only way he can have a claim on you, like Jesus said, the ruler of this world is coming, the God of this world, and he has nothing on me. Actually, the Greek says he has nothing in me. He has no root to access in my life. There is no root of condemnation in me. There's no root of fear in me. There's no root of shame or guilt in me. That's why he was able to walk like such a bold man. They were marveled. They said, what manner of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. He rebukes. He walks and speaks with such authority. What manner of man is this? A righteous man. A righteous man. Who can face the storm and rebuke it and have no fear. Knowing that he has dominion over that storm. A righteous man who can rebuke demons with one word because there's no fear in him. Satan had nothing in him, no root of condemnation, because he knew that the Father loved him, because he said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, removing all condemnation from his life, and keeping him in that security of the love of God, the perfect love of the Father, knowing God will never leave him and never abandon him. And the only time the Father ever left him and abandoned him was when he became a sin offering for us. That's why he cried, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? That was the only time in his life where he felt condemnation on the cross. He was shamed, condemned for us. He embraced the shame or the condemnation of the cross for the joy that was set before him to set you and I free from that same condemnation that would keep us in a place of defeat. That's one of the things I'm really trying to emphasize in the believer's authority class is, you know, we, a lot of times, you know, obviously we got to preach the cross, you know, but really to believers, we're not taking believers to the cross. We need to take believers to the throne. We, we take sinners to the cross, but going through the cross brings you up to the throne, being seated with him in heavenly places. We're not preaching enough throne. We're still preaching, take me to the cross. We're singing songs, take me to the cross. Well, you, you, you got to go to the cross every day and just get nailed to the cross? No, you go to the cross once. Yep. Amen. After that, you go to the resurrection. The same steps Jesus went through. After that, amen, you go through ascension and glorification and exaltation at the right hand of the Father, the place of victory. The place of authority. Glory to God. And by that authority, you can face anything, any situation, any circumstance, any devil. And Paul said, what can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And the, the enemy, Satan, always tries to separate you from the love of God. How does he do that? By getting you to be offended, bitter, and then getting into condemnation where now you're feeling condemned, you're feeling guilty. And of course, when you feel condemned and guilty, you can't forgive. Have you noticed when you're feeling condemned yourself, it's very hard to walk in love and forgive others? That's the trap. I know. I've dealt with it. 
What is condemnation? Unforgiveness towards yourself. Beating yourself up. Not being able to receive his forgiveness and love. That's really what condemnation is. But the Bible says there's now no condemnation. Having received the forgiveness of your sins and now having received the righteousness of God in Christ, now you can be rooted and built up in him. And as Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3, let's go look, verses 16 through 9. I just mentioned that, but let's read that. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 through 19. Is this helping anybody here tonight? He's praying now that, that he would, that's God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. That's the opposite of the root of bitterness which is being rooted in condemnation and guilt and unforgiveness. But when you are rooted and grounded in love (laughs) what happens? May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. We got to just root out, pull it out by the roots, that root of condemnation from your life. And that comes by a revelation of your righteousness in Christ. And that comes by a revelation of what Paul is praying here of what? The love of God which passes knowledge. It's not just information. Yeah, I know God. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so. No, it's I know Jesus loves me. I know Jesus loves me. I know Jesus loves me. Why? Because I've had an encounter with the love of God radically changed and transformed my life see it has to go beyond information it has to become revelation it has to explode in your spirit and it it just totally revolutionizes your life when the love of god shed abroad in your hearts by the holy spirit just literally explodes in your spirit and you are so overwhelmed by his love amen you are filled with the fullness of god rooted and grounded in love Rooted and grounded in Christ, same thing. And then, now you can get to verse 20. That's why a lot of people struggle with verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. See, if you're, walking, if you're condemned, you're under condemnation, you're not going to be able to believe God for big things and ask for big things and believe that he's going to be able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. Because why? It's according to the power that worketh in us. What kind of power is that? That's the power of his love. That's the power of the unconditional, perfect love of God that casts out, wipes out, erases, removes, and destroys the power of fear. When there's no fear in you, (laughs) now you can begin to believe God for big things and know that he will do exceeding, Abundantly above all that you ask or think. And that verse 20 says now, because it can only happen now after what's happened before. When you have received a revelation of his love. When you have received a revelation and an experience and an explosion of his love in your heart. And his power 
and a revelation of your righteousness. Because it's only when you have a revelation of your righteousness, you're able to come boldly to the throne to receive all that love that he has for you. Because if you feel condemned, you feel you're not good enough, you're not deserving, you're not going to be able to come. You're going to be very timid. But he's not giving you a spirit of, actually, the Greek says, timidity, fear. Don't be timid. He's giving you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Love, power, love, and a sound mind. So you come boldly to the throne to receive the love of God. Just, Lord, overwhelm me with your love. I'm just going to bathe me in your love. Bathe me in your love. Hallelujah. You know why? Because you are his beloved son. You are his beloved daughter. In, in, in you, he's well pleased. He is well pleased. But it's for, hard for a lot of people who did not grow up with a lot of affirmation in their homes. Maybe all you ever heard was just things to condemn you. How worthless you are, how you're not going to make it. Maybe you heard it from your father, mother. Maybe you heard it from your husband, wife. Whatever you heard and all that stuff, the condemnation, it hangs over you like a dark cloud. In the name of Jesus, I break that off of you tonight. I pull it out by the roots. I pull out the root of condemnation from your life. In the name of Jesus. Because it leads to depression, it leads to defeat, it leads to sickness, disease, and poverty. It's the root. It's the root. It's the root that the enemy tries to use against you, the weapon that the enemy tries to use against you. Matthew chapter 13, verse 6, talking about the seed, right? Some of the seed, what happens? withers away why because it can't put down any roots you have to let the love of god put down roots you have to allow the seed of the word to go deep but why 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 wouldn't why is that seed not gonna put down roots why why because it's what stony ground what is stone judgment condemnation when you have all that condemnation and judgment in your heart the word of god will not be able to go deep the word will not be able to go down deep, the roots go deep, and then bear fruit. So number one, make sure that you understand because of Jesus Christ, there is no judgment against you. There is no judgment against you. That's what righteousness means. No judgment. Justified. Just as if I have never sinned. That's what it means to be the righteousness of God in Christ. There is no judgment in heaven against you. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is his will in heaven? Come boldly to my throne to obtain mercy and grace for your time of need without condemnation, guilt, or shame. Ability to have access to stand in that grace. By faith. Amen. That's why I'm very, very, very upset about a teaching that's going around in the church world. A guy wrote a book called The Courts of Heaven. And it's like people are just taking the bait hook, line, and sinker. And, and it says, you got to go now to the courts of heaven, to the judge, before the, go before the throne. And you have to plead your case to, to the 
to the judge that sits on the throne in heaven and you have to take the, the word of God like a law and like you have to go and plead your case and then you have to, that's how you pray, you plead your case. Excuse me, that throne is not a throne of judgment. And I'm not going to a judge based on a law. I'm going to my father based on grace. It's total rubbish. And people are being deceived by that teaching. And churches are being destroyed by that teaching, being brought back under the law. No different than the Judaizers in the time of Paul going around putting people in bondage. Reject that kind of teaching. It is wrong. It is not even biblical. It's not even New Testament. And I know the guy. I actually preached in the same conference with him. And I saw him behind the scenes. And then he came back to that church and caused a lot of problems. And I talked with the pastor. And I warned him. The moment I saw the book, something felt sick in my spirit. I didn't, I didn't even have to look inside. I knew Im- immediately. The whole thing about the courts of law and then the subtitle, go plead your case before the judge of heaven or whatever. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. Be far from me. Uh, that's not me. That's not how a righteous man relates to his heavenly father. I have no, no case to plead with my father. I don't have to beg my father. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, there's that one story Jesus talks about, a woman that goes begging the, the wicked judge. That's not biblical. That's not for us. God's not a wicked judge that we don't have to go plead him, beg him, and twist his arms and cry out and beg, beg, beg till he finally says, okay, you know what? I just relent. I can't take this anymore. Okay, I'll give you whatever you've just been bothering me with. No. Don't take stuff out of context. You have to read everything in the light of the New Testament, of the new creation realities. So much stuff is out there. People are being put in bondage. There are modern-day Judaizers. I was watching this one preacher on a Christian t- television, and I, after I listened to him for about 10 minutes, I said, my God, that's a modern-day Judaizer. Putting the church back in bondage, bringing everybody back under the law. I, I shut the thing off. That's why I don't watch a lot of Christian television. They're e- either peddling some $1 thing from China for an offering or just peddling rubbish. And everybody out there trying to get some new revelation so they can get the new it, the fad, sell more books and become the popular circuit, you know, uh, uh, conference circuit speaker. My God, let's go back. This still works. It's still good enough for me. I don't need some new thing. This is good enough for me. My righteousness in Christ is good enough. It's been good enough for centuries. It's good enough now. I want to be rooted and grounded in love. I want to be rooted and grounded in Christ. Why is the seed with no root? It withers away. Jesus said it'll wither away because it falls on stony ground. You know what stony ground is? It's a mixture. Mixture of soil and, and rocks. It's a mixture of the New Testament and the Old Testament. Taking the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, trying to mix it, come up with some other covenant. And Paul said, anyone who brings another covenant is anathema, cursed. That's another gospel. You cannot mix grace with the law. That's like mixing life with death. I'll take a little bit of life and I'll take a little bit of death. You can't mix condemnation and righteousness. I'll take some righteousness, but occasionally I'll just come under condemnation. No, you can't do that. It's one way or the other. 
there's a clear cut, rightly dividing the word of truth. Not wrongly dividing. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the covenants. We're no longer under the old covenant. Jesus said, it is finished. Behold, I make all things new. I make a new and a living way through my blood. A way of access to the throne of grace by faith. No wonder people are so confused. They're not even getting proper sound doctrine anymore. People don't even want to preach doctrine in churches. They think it's some kind of a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with good doctrine, sound doctrine. We got to preach good sound doctrine. So much fluff out there. Preachers of fluff, one or two little scriptures they throw out, just a little feel-good thing. They're not even getting people to be rooted and grounded in solid New Testament church doctrine. People don't, don't want to be preachers of doctrine anymore. There's nothing wrong with preaching doctrine. This is the Word of God. All these epistles that Paul wrote... Peter wrote, these are the foundational doctrines of the church. The first principle of Christ. Hebrews 6, repentance from dead works, faith toward God. These are foundational principle teachings of Christ. This is what the church is built upon. This is our foundation. If we get away from this foundation, we're going to get into a big mess. No wonder the church is in a big mess. Look at this, Psalm Psalm 1, the first psalm. Verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Hallelujah. The key to the prosperous Christian life is to be a tree planted by the rivers of water. A tree planted or rooted by the waters. Meditating on his word day and night. But the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of who? Righteous. We are a congregation of righteous. Amen. Turn to your neighbor say, welcome to the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We are in the way of the righteous. Why? Because we are congregation of the righteous. Why? Because we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We have been given righteousness. We have been imparted righteousness as a gift. You are a righteous man. You are a righteous woman. Say this after me. I am righteous in Christ. I have the righteousness of God. I have received the gift of righteousness. Hallelujah. 
we got to pull out that root of condemnation. It keeps Christians in defeat. Keeps them in fear. Keeps them in depression. Keeps them in poverty because they can't believe God. They can't, they can't actually believe that they can be prosperous. That heaven, their heavenly father will provide everything that they need above and beyond and bring them into a place of abundance. Not just the provision because prosperity is not provision. Provision is one level. Prosperity is another level. Prosperity is having abundance. Where now, not only is, do you have provision, now you become a provision for others. And that should be our goal. Because that's what, that, that, that is what was purchased on the cross. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, but many do not. Even though he was very rich, for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might be made rich. And don't spiritualize that. Wow, well, brother, you know, that's talking about spiritual, spiritually rich. Praise God. If you're spiritually rich, you will also be financially rich. You don't have to worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Amen. You seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. When you are aware of your righteousness, you're not going to have any fear of provision. Because you can just go boldly to the throne of grace to obtain what you need. Father, I need this. Thank you. I receive it. Hallelujah. It's as simple as that. You don't have to go crawling on your knees, begging, pleading your case before the throne of judgment. Oh, God, Father, and not even Father, God, judge. Don't judge me. I, I, just ah, rubbish. So much rubbish. And these are just winds of doctrine. They come and they go. But people that are not rooted and grounded in the love of God and in sound doctrine, they are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and the cunning craftiness of men who want to make a buck off of the backs of believers. Peddling their rubbish. Preaching doctrines of devils and bringing and seducing religious spirits into the church. And I'm going to say it exactly as it is. I'm not holding anything back. Some of these need to be whipped. They need to be whipped. You know why? Because they're whipping the people of God. They're whipping them, whipping them with con condemnation. They're whipping them with judgment. And people sit there in the pew, can't even move. They're immobilized with fear. They're immobilized with religion. They're putting God's people in bondage. It'll be a cold day in hell when I'll preach a message that will put God's people in bondage because I will suffer, suffer double judgment. Whatever judgment comes on, on them, I will suffer double judgment. I have the fear of God in me. I will not preach people into condemnation and bondage. I'm going to preach people into freedom. I'm going to preach people into health, healing, joy, peace, righteousness, <laughs> prosperity. That's the gospel. I'm not preaching another gospel. That's going to bring a curse on the people and a double curse anathema on me. That's what Paul said. Anyone who preaches, any man or angel that brings you another gospel, anathema. Double judgment on them. A double curse. 
the deepest bitter root is the root of condemnation. Christ endured the shame of the cross. Jesus was condemned for our deliverance. He was condemned for us. He was judged for us. They judged him to be a sinner. He who knew no sin was judged to be a sinner and endured the shame of the cross like a sinner at the hands of sinners. And he took that condemnation for us, for the joy that was set before him to bring us into a place of freedom and joy and peace. Peace that passes all understanding. The love of God that passes knowledge. Having access to our Heavenly Father without guilt, condemnation, shame, walking in boldness, walking in freedom, walking in prosperity, walking in health and healing. Hallelujah. And just absolutely wreaking havoc on the devil's kingdom. Jesus was condemned for our deliverance. The chastisement for our peace was laid upon him. Despised and rejected of men, treated like trash. All so that we can become the beloved, the accepted. That's why he said, I have come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of Jubilee, which was every 50th year, but now it's every year. So don't even believe this stuff. Oh, now it's the year of Jubilee. That's Jewish thing. For us as New Testament believers, every year is the year of Jubilee. Why do you have to wait 49 years? My God, what is wrong with these people? It's the year of Jubilee according to the Jewish calendar. We are not under the Jewish calendar. What are you talking about? Blow the shofar. It's the year of Jubilee. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the year we are accepted into the beloved. Never forsaken. Unbelief gets its power from condemnation. The root of condemnation causes unbelief, doubt and unbelief. You can't walk by faith. The just, the righteous shall walk by faith because being justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, being made righteous is the foundation of faith, foundation of our authority in Christ. It's the foundation of the believer's authority. I'm not talking about the apostle's authority, the prophet's authority, the evangelist's authority, pastor's authority, teacher's. I'm talking about the believer's authority. The believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The believers shall cast out devils. The believers shall take up serpents. The believers shall trample on snakes and scorpions and destroy the work of the devil. Is this helping anybody here tonight? I just feel so stirred about this thing. I'm telling you, something about righteousness is just burning in my spirit this last month or so. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to show you something else. Shackles are falling off of people. 
I just feel it. Then I'm going to lay hands on some people. And I'm gonna, I, feel, I'm just, I feel this bones just yank out that root of condemnation. Just uproot that thing. Feel like that, that anointing coming upon me. Throw down, uproot. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. What is an evil conscience? Condemnation. Sin consciousness. And our bodies washed with pure water. Hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. What is that? The blood of Jesus. What's the other one? Water baptism. Water baptism is a key to breaking or to actually cleansing your conscience. That's what I tell people all the time. It is a reference point for your conscience to be clean, cleansed. You, you go in the water, you, you're burying everything of the past. When you're rising up from the water, you rise into the newness of life. And that's what's supposed to happen in water baptism. But a lot of people get water baptized without even understanding what it is. Like, well, now you're a believer, you need to get water baptized. And, it, and then they have no understanding that the water baptism is a very big key to cleansing and clearing your conscience. Like Paul said, receive us, we have wronged no man. What do you mean? You were there when Stephen was being stoned to death and you cheered them on. You're an accomplice to murder. No, 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 that's not me. That's Saul, the destroyer. I'm Paul, the little one. I have been humbled. I, be, I was knocked off of my high and holy horse on the road to Damascus. Religious people ne need to get knocked off of their high and holy horse, you know. And I, know, I understand what Paul was going through. He was struggling, and he talks about it in the book of Romans. He was struggling. I do what I don't want to do. Who's going to help me? I'm a wretched man. And he was kicking against the goads because he felt so condemned under the law because he said he was, he was just a man of the law. The more law you have in your life, the more condemnation you have, the more judgment you have. That's why he was so ready to go drag everybody in judgment, put them in prison. Because he had this war going on on the inside of him. Thank God for his mercy. He came and set him free from that law and condemnation and guilt that he lived under. And then he says, thanks be to God. Now, in Romans chapter 8. Now, people don't read the book of Romans. They read chapter 6 and 7. And they're like, Ugh. No, read 8. He talks about how he struggled and he talks about how the freedom he found. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in, 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 in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. Thank God. Thank God. Sprinkled conscience. What is that? An evil conscience. An evil conscience is a guilty conscience. The Bible calls condemnation evil. A conscience that typically expects punishment and is under condemnation is an evil conscience. Satan. Hasatan. You know what his, Satan means? Condemner, accuser, shamer. 
the accuser of our brethren, the one who comes to shame you, Satan himself, condemner, accuser, shamer, wants you to have an evil conscience by putting shame and guilt on you, keeping you in a place of condemnation. And that the Bible calls it an evil conscience. It is sprinkled by the blood of Jesus and cleansed. Your conscience is cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Right? We just look at, look at that. We just read that. What, is it? what does it say? Let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance, in full assurance of faith. Draw near what? Draw near to God. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Draw near to the throne of grace. Why? Because when you have a true heart, in full assurance of faith. But what does Satan want you to have? An evil conscience. A heart that condemns you. So that you don't have any confidence in God or towards God or in life. So many Christians, they struggle with their confidence. They are so insecure. So many pastors are so insecure. You know how you see? You, can, you know how you can tell if a pastor is in, insecure? Huh? He's always putting people in condemnation and judgment, tying them to the seat, telling them they can't rise up, they can't do anything. Because they're so insecure, they don't want anybody to rise up. That's why they can't mobilize people. You find a preacher, a leader that keeps everybody in the pew, will not allow them to rise up in their anointing and their calling. That's an insecure pastor. That's an insecure preacher. Because he feels insecure. Because he feels condemned. He will not let people rise up. They see everybody as a threat. Nobody here is a threat to me. The only threat in my life is Satan and his lies. I will not believe his lies. Because if I believe his lies, I have believed the accuser, the shamer, the con condemner. And now I am condemned. I am shamed and I am accused. And I have fallen into the trap. And I'm going to get very offended very easily. Everybody's going to offend me. I'm so sensitive. I need a safe space. <laughs> I have a safe space. It's called the righteousness of God. The name of the Lord is a strong and a mighty tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are safe. Amen. The secret place of the Most High. I am abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. I am safe. My life is hidden in Christ. Your life is hidden in Christ. Do you realize the enemy cannot see you because you are hidden? People are like, the devil's after me everywhere. I go, wait, wait a minute, are you exposed? No, bro, you're camouflaged. You have, you have, you're in stealth mode. You're not even on his radar. He can't see you. Your life is hidden. Stop believing the lie that the devil sees everything that you do, knows everything that you do, and he can get you every single time. No, you are untouchable. Don't believe the lie. Because if the word says your life is hidden in Christ, your life is hidden in Christ.
So what is that? The devil's after me. Devil here, devil there, devil, devil here. Demon under every chair, demon under, behind every bush. It's fear. It's fear. You're believing the lie of ha-satan. Satan, shaitan, the accuser, the condemner, the accuser of the brethren. Always accusing. Don't allow him to use you to accuse others either. Oh, my Lord, these, these Christians are accusing everybody. They're always talking about everybody, always offended. Please, come into the revelation of your righteousness in Christ. Let's pull out that bitter root of condemnation where the flesh is rooted and grounded in since the fall in the garden. But the spirit is rooted and grounded in Christ and in love since the cross. The cross cancels the garden. Let's come into that revelation. Let's draw near with a heart that has full assurance of faith. The fundamental tactic of the devil that he uses against you is accusation and condemnation. Don't fall for it. Look at verse 2 in Hebrews chapter 10. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. Consciousness of sins. Not conscience, consciousness of sin. So sin consciousness is condemnation. Amen. Instead of having a sin consciousness, you must have a consciousness of righteousness. And I'll close with this and I'll pray for people. People misunderstand how the Holy Ghost works. You must understand this is a very important thing about how the Holy Ghost work, works. Go to John chapter 16. What Jesus taught about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, verse 8. And when he is come, the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. This is not the church. This is the world. Amen. Of sin, because they believe not on me. So what is the, the sin? That the world has. The only sin anybody's ever going to be judged on is going to be unbelief of the Savior. Not having received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's the only sin that gets people condemned to hell. It's the only sin. But this is not for the church. This is for the world. And of righteousness. Because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And look at that. And of righteousness. Why? Because I go to my father. Where Jesus went to his father. Where is he? Seated at the right hand of the father. Place of righteousness. What is the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings? That the only way to attain righteousness is by the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Not self-righteousness, but the righteousness of God in Christ. Romans chapter 10 verse 3 talks about that, right? Being ignorant of the righteousness of God, they have substituted a self-righteousness, not submitting to the righteousness of God. 
So you're either going to have self-righteousness or you're going to have God-righteousness. The Holy Spirit shows the way to true righteousness is only through Jesus Christ who went to the Father and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And number 11, uh, verse 11, of judgment because the prince of the world is judged. Not judgment on the believer, judgment on Satan. The only judgment the church should be preaching on is judgment of Satan. Because we will judge him together with Christ. That's why Satan always wants to judge others because he wants to take the focus of himself, the one who's going to be judged, and put the judgment on you. There is no judgment on me. There is judgment on him. That's the Holy Spirit's work in the world, convicting people, not condemning. That's the difference between conviction and condemnation. Satan comes to condemn. Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin because they don't believe in Jesus so that by believing in Jesus, they'll be free from sin and they can receive next step righteousness because he has gone to the Father and they can walk to the third step, which is judgment over Satan. Repent from sin, receive the righteousness in Christ and begin to judge Satan. That's the progression. That the Holy Spirit tries to take the world. Take someone out of the world, bring them to the cross, and then bring them to the throne through, and righteousness. And then now they can begin to walk in judgment of Satan. Satan, I judge you in the name of Jesus. You have no power over me. That's the judgment. You cannot put sickness and disease on me. Get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot put poverty on me. I judge you. Poverty was judged on the cross, so I judge your poverty, you foul devil of poverty. I judge you, I bind you, get out of my life. I am under prosperity. I judge sickness and disease because it was put on the cross. And I judge you, you foul spirit of infirmity. You have no power over me. I am healed from the top of my head down to the soles of my feet. We are to judge Satan. Call him for the loser and the deceiver and the liar that he is. We need to call him out, expose him, and kick him out. Cast out devils. You foul demonic spirit, I judge you. How can you judge? Because we have authority. When, listen, when we sit on the throne of grace... You understand me it is also a throne of judgment for satan that throne is either a throne of grace or throne of judgment when we sit we can walk in grace and love every person on earth but we need to hate satan the bible says to hate that which is evil and we judge him because he will never receive grace and he will try to do everything in his power to keep you from receiving grace. Is this helping anybody here tonight? Amen. So what does Satan do? He tries to turn the throne of grace to a throne of judgment for the believer. 
It's not a throne of judgment for the believer. It's a throne of judgment for him. Because the prince of this world has been judged. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.